0: Hey friends, welcome back to Real Life Marriage, where I'm your host, Candace Mummert, and on a great day, my husband Aaron joins me as the co-host. Whether I'm sharing tidbits and encouragement or interviewing people brave enough to share what goes on behind closed doors in their marriage, it's all for the goal of strengthening marriages. We're glad you joined us as we unpack the good, the bad, and everything in between when it comes to real life marriage. everyone welcome back to real life marriage we have the privilege today of having Aaron with us hi hey, honey
1: hey how's it going
0: it's going well i'm thanks. excited to have you
1: thanks for the invitation
0: this is his first interview to do with me and it just worked out well this afternoon we are interviewing Uh, some friends of ours. And so it's extra special to have Aaron with me, as well as to have Kayla and Corey here with us. We met them about a year ago through an organization that our daughters and their daughters are all a part of. And we hit it off and they have blessed us in so many ways. We learned very quickly their passion for the outdoors and their passion for Jesus and their passion for people. And so I knew that they would be great candidates to pour into our listeners, and we're excited to have them with us. So, Corey and Kayla, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> we're happy to be here.
2: Glad to be joining the call.
0: Yeah. I always kick off interviews by asking you to introduce one another, give us the basics, the stats, kind of give the listeners a picture of who you are. So, Kayla, will you kick things off by introducing Corey?
3: Gladly. We have been married for 19 years. We married very young and sweet. We were young and fresh. And uh, we have three children that are 17, 15, and 12. Corey works in the corporate world. He's the oldest of his siblings. And uh, he, like Handy mentioned, loves the outdoors and has spurred that passion in me as well. So we like to spend a lot of time outdoors together, camping and hunting and fishing and all of those good things. He's also a very hard worker, he can fix absolutely anything that's broken, which is one of the greatest qualities that I love about him. And like Candy also mentioned, he's great with people. He has a heart for people. He loves to encourage people and just has a way of making someone feel like that they're the only person in the room. Mm. So he's got a lot of great qualities in him. And the best of all is that he loves Jesus and has he works really hard to, to lead and serve our family. Okay, perfect. Corey, your turn.
1: Corey, that that bar was set kind of high there, buddy. Yeah. Make us proud.
2: I'll do my best. My wife is a wonderful woman who is very diligent in everything that she does. You can think of her as someone who thinks through with intentionality. She desires to honor the Lord every morning and throughout the entire day and to fulfill really the Proverbs 31 woman, to be diligent with her hands, to be diligent with her mind, to work towards uh, setting a home that is conducive for holiness and for uh, discipline and for being diligent in being uh, contributors to our nation and to Uh, The world and to eternity. And so she absolutely, whether it's here at the home supporting us or anything else, she's an amazing wife and is, as always, has a certain personality that and things will jive between us and some things don't. And she always leads out in, in doing her best to meet where my personality ends and vice versa. So yeah, she's an amazing young lady.
0: That's awesome. And she homeschools, right?
2: She does. She homeschools uh, three of our children. I'm just lucky to be able to have her stay at home, being willing to stay at home. And she's turned it not just from being at home to a productive piece for, for our church home and for the people that we come in contact with.
0: Okay, awesome. So now we know a little bit about what makes each of you, you. Let's go back to Kayla. You said that you guys married young, Talk to us about marrying young and what that looks like.
3: Well, at that time in our lives, unfortunately, we weren't seeking the Lord and weren't walking with the Lord, but both of us had been raised in church and raised in homes that that were very loving. And so we're very thankful for that foundation. But we were both wrapping up the end of our college years, and we met on a blind date, which was really fun. (laughs) And then, which was my sister's the one that set us up. And who knows you better than your sister, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so we got engaged three months later. And then got married six months after that. So it was pretty quick. Yeah. And how
0: did the people in your life and around you respond to those choices that you were making?
3: You know, I don't think it really surprised anybody too much. We got along really well and... We just kind of fit together. So I don't know that it was really too surprising for anyone. <laughs> and so how far
0: into your marriage was it before you started really seeking the Lord and developing your relationship with him?
3: Well, we we went to church, you know, from the very beginning. And so that was nice. Um, we got married in the church that he grew up in and That's was okay. baptized in. And so we realized pretty quickly that it would be good for us to get out and spread our wings. mm And so we started looking for our own church after about a year. And that's probably when we both truly started seeking the Lord. We were just blessed with a great community of young marrieds. We were, I think, 22 when we got married. And so God was just so gracious in providing community for us. And it was a bunch of other young professionals that were newly married and just starting their families. And so that group of people, that community was foundational in, in pointing us to beginning our foundation of a godly marriage. Mm -hmm. And how long was it? Oh sorry, Corey, go ahead.
2: Yeah, figuring out how to be a godly couple and figuring out what what did what did it mean to be a Christ follower or just to be pleasing to the Lord as a couple outside of where we grew up. Mm -hmm. It was like a completely clean slate. And that was good to be to move away from what you knew. It forced you to go, okay, who am I in the Lord? And um, that was very, very healthy for a lot of couples that moved away from home. And we really clung together at that point in time, which was huge.
0: And how long was it before kids started coming along?
3: Uh, That didn't take very long either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We were probably married two years and we had our firstborn. And I was teaching at the time. And then I just looked at Corey one morning and I said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I need to stay home with this baby.
0: So, was that something that you guys had talked
3: about before, prior to that?
0: Um,
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> to say that we had any premarital counseling or premarital uh, conversations, would, that didn't happen very, very
2: Yeah. So, that was one of the things that, as you look in retrospect, when we were starting to date and got serious and, and I proposed, there was no one in our lives that really said, okay, time out. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um and I think at the that point in time that was a certain generation or a certain style that um you read the you read God's word, but did you really actually have accountability and ownership of being and fulfilling your role? And whether it was a man in our church going time out, is this for real or is this something you really should do? And no one everybody was just like, Hey, that means another party. Let's let's go let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So Um, I think we found out quickly that we had not thought through a lot of things and that there were a lot of things that we needed to grow with the Lord ourselves and then also with each other.
0: So what were some of those first things kind of that you've alluded to? All of a sudden you're married, you're finishing school, you haven't had a lot of these deep or life-changing conversations, or or maybe it was just laundry on the floor. But what were some of those first obstacles as a young married couple that you guys had to
3: overcome? (laughs) Selfishness. Mm. Oh,
0: didn't we all?
3: Yeah. Yeah. We've never had the toothpaste in the sink issue. It's always been big (laughs) issues. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just start with selfishness right off the bat, because that was definitely something that I needed to work on of just learning to love someone unconditionally, but then also being willing to put somebody else's needs before my own and -hmm. for caring about somebody enough that I wanted to put their needs before my own.
2: Yeah. And for me, it was, it was more of knowing how to, how to love my wife. I had my one way that my personality drives that God built me and I, that was the easy way to do it. And And I didn't know how to love my wife because she is very much, you know, planning, structure. Those were things that filled her bucket, if you will. And I had no skills whatsoever, was never taught that. And so I would try to I would go over the top in loving her the way I knew how or how I enjoyed or how I thought I should have should be loving her. And it it had very little value for her, very much like the love languages I would. I'd be given two hundred percent in one way, and, sh- and it and it means very little for mm-hmm. her, and so, yeah, that was very frustrating uh, at the beginning of all for me on the- in the beginning of our relationship, and honestly, I had certain expectations going into it that was not the truth. Worldly so, yeah, expectations. Worldly expectations for sure.
0: Of what marriage would look like, or feel like, or sound like. Right. Yeah.
2: America does a good job of lying to us, and I think the underlying. Schie- the underlying scheme is Satan is very sly and he's very smart. Uh, obviously, he's smart. He's He was one of the best angels. And so um, why create war when he can just keep you busy or have a false expectations and ruin a marriage? And so yeah, we didn't have the truth and we didn't know how to digest the truth to overcome that.
0: So what kind of concrete recommendations would you have for other newlyweds, and or specifically young couples that are learning, like how did you start to love one another better or become less selfish so that you could put others first? What are the concrete things that you learned through that that you could input to other couples?
3: You know, what what will be hopefully a theme that you hear as you hear more of our story is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but more than anything is just to be willing to be repentant. And when the Holy Spirit would stir in me that something that I had said had more of a dagger effect than what I realized, or when I realized that I was making a choice that was selfish, I just had to be sensitive to that and be willing to go to Corey and and tell him that I was sorry, and then take it a step further and just try to remove that from my life. And if I could have done that more frequently as a young wife, it would have saved us a lot of heartache. But more than anything, just to just to be repentant and to be obedient, that's probably the most tangible piece of advice that I would give to a young married couple.
2: That's now, good. Some of the tactical things that I think are important is repeating back what you said. Hey, this is what I heard you say. Mm-hmm. And, and repeat it back. In creating a healthy environment and saying, okay, time out, put your guns on the table. We don't <laughs> need to be shooting with each other at each other and let's what did you mean by this statement it made me feel this way was that in your intention and man that takes sometimes i for for men and for women it takes some guts to really communicate like that it's so easy to be passive aggressive and so just kind of stuff it or just let it go and then just treat treat them with silent treatment or whatever the whatever the personality drives towards, um, but yeah, just taking the time out and going, okay, tell me, tell me where that's coming from.
0: Yeah.
1: Good question for you there, Corey. Where did you, where did these techniques come from? You know, as a young couple, was there, um, another couple ahead of you in life that was sharing these or was there books or someone in church or where, where did you guys pick up some of these techniques?
2: You know, unfortunately, no, there were no, even with a church of 2000 people, there was no one that was willing to step into our lives, mm-hmm. um, step into my life. If they heard me or were trying to just spend time with us and go, OK, these are the things, these are the qualities that I see in you that need to be corrected or 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 was uh, an open uh, listener to say, here's where I'm struggling. What should I do? And I think that's that's a the church is failing today. Not fulfilling those duties, it's just too busy. And, but yeah. um, regardless of that, we I we went through a, a lot of counseling, mm. counseling one on one, counseling two on one, and and some group counseling that gave us a ton of skills that I wish people knew. And I always equal it to a financial advisor, and going once a quarter. And I always tell young couples, you need to sit down with a couple or a counselor to say, all right, what's going on this quarter? What are you what is there anything you need to unpack to try to understand about each other and really spend that time, take the investment?
0: Yeah, well, I we've talked many times uh, on the podcast about how counseling is not a bad word, that it's actually something that pretty much every single one of us in one season or many seasons need that it's never a bad thing to ask for help and to ask for an outside perspective especially as believers if you're asking for it from another believer from someone who is seeking the lord and like like you said Kayla, sensitive to the holy spirit and and, and those things that, that it's good to ask for help
2: yeah if i want if i need to make an a financial decision i'm going to ask a banker or a financial analyst if I am going to make a real estate move, I'm going to ask a real estate uh, real estate agent. Whatever the decision is, the, the smart thing for someone to do is to get some wisdom around that. And for some reason, it's taboo to go, man, I am just not figuring out how to communicate with my wife. You got any ideas? And it can just be simple as that.
0: Yeah. I love the way you just said that. So matter of fact, like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Do you have any ideas? That's
2: yeah. one good. of the other one of the other pieces of advice yep. as you start, I suggest doing a personality test, a couple mm-hmm. of them. Some are less spiritual than others, but all of them i've I've actually gone through probably about ten of them from corporate and from mm-hmm. Christian organizations, and they all tend to be lined up the same. So just learn who you are and have your wife do one, and it is great. there's a lot of great tools out there to help, and you should definitely make the investment.
0: Yeah, that's good. So working through some of those initial things, learning to communicate with one another, learning to love one another. And if I'm not mistaken, it was around the time of your second child being born and adding to your family that you guys hit probably the rockiest spot in your marriage. And those are my words. So correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I mean, a pretty big mountain that the Lord totally helped you overcome. Is that right?
3: Yes. Like I said, we were really young and we just had our second baby and they were really close. They're 15 months apart. And so I was just trying to um, survive mommyhood Mm -hmm. and uh, found out that Corey had a pornography issue. And, um, you know, this was six, 15, 16 years ago, and this was before people talked about it. Yeah. And thankfully it's, it's something that's talked about a little bit more, but boy, I certainly felt like that I was paddling upstream in the Mm -hmm. river. had no idea what to do. And so that was where we started reaching out for some counseling to get some help. And, um, Unfortunately, we didn't have just a ton of family support. Um, They didn't understand exactly what all was going on. And so that was tricky. And then also just trying to navigate protecting um, Corey, you know, not wanting to to slander him. I was very protective about who I shared Mm -hmm. our struggles with and what we had going on. But um, it was it was hard.
2: Yeah, definitely was the, the, at that point, just history of of the internet being born back in, in when we, when I was junior high, high school. And it was a, it was a tendency where, where things went from paperback in the old days uh, to something that you could access with no trace. And so mm-hmm. it was an absolutely perfect scenario for, for Satan to really got his, get his claws into, Any of the Western world that had access to this, and really, I would say, sabotage. um, uh, Ninety percent of the of men in America, in my opinion, um, are sabotaged by this. And so that that developed. I had a great home. Um, We grew up in a suburb and went to school in high school there, and it but it continued to fester. And went through college, and it just continued to grow there. Uh, looking at the internet and pornography, and it was, it was, um, it was an out for me. I, what I learned is it was kind of a passive aggressive. There was stress in my life; that was the way to kind of whether instead of drinking alcohol, that was that was my out. That was my getaway. And I and I've learned a lot about my personality. I I, I struggle with being in big crowds at that point in time. And so a lot of uh, depression-ish feelings, a lot of darkness, a lot of fog, if you will. And so that was my out. And so, of course, I I thought the marriage would resolve, which it never does. Uh, In some cases, it makes it worse and uh, carried that into the marriage, unfortunately. It was something that initially I tried to white knuckle it. I tried to address it. And so you would fight, fight, fight. If you think about it, it's I'm thrashing in this water trying to to swim and I don't know how to swim. And I'm just drowning. I'm just I'm thrashing around. So we started to go to counseling. It was not a pastor. It was actually a counselor that had the skills to walk us through those things. And so I learned I didn't know who I was. And so we went through a lot a lot of counseling and a lot of money um, to work through those uh, areas.
3: And from the very beginning, God was so gracious and and gave me a very clear purpose <clears throat> because I had just experienced in my own personal life, my parents had divorced after being married for 33 years because my dad had had an affair and left. And so that was kind of the, that's what the world said is normal in this situation. If, if you've got an extramarital affair or pornography addiction, you just, you you know, that's biblical grounds for divorce. So that's what you do. And I'm so thankful that from the very beginning, God was very clear with me that that's not what he desired for us. Um, and so I I remember going into the counselor, probably our, very, our second session, because our first session, we kind of just laid everything out there for him. And then, he said, okay, why don't we split you guys up and I want you each to come in individually on your own. And so the very first time that I went in on my own, I took him this verse. And it's in 1 Peter three 5. I'd like to read it to you. I'm sorry, it's in 1 Peter 3. It says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. They see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, Mm -hmm. which is of great worth in God's sight. And I took this because this is the vision that God gave me from the very beginning, is that He was going to use me and use my gentleness and my quietness to woo Corey back to him,
2: which which was completely opposite of the first time.
3: <laughs> there is nothing gentle in me. No. <laughs> there's nothing quiet in me. I was mad. I had just found out that my husband had been lying to me and deceived me, and he wasn't this person that he had portrayed to be. And I had a newborn baby, and I'm young, and I'm thinking, and stuck, what? And I'm you know, stuck, you know. and how is and there's just nothing in me that's innate that's gentle and quiet. And so when God gave me this very clear vision, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I took this to my counselor and I read it to him and he's like, "Um, "Okay, so um, good luck figuring that out.
2: Yeah, very manly counselor, by the way. (laughs) Very manly counselor. But
3: God did. And he just began to do a work in me. And I am so thankful for that. And I don't know that Corey would even call me gentle and quiet now, but God did use me and he used he, he he dissolved all the bitterness. He dissolved all of my anger, all of my frustrations, all my disappointments, um, all he, of the expectations that I brought into the marriage. You know, he just very graciously and it, it didn't happen overnight. It took a year or two, but he just so graciously dissolved all of that. And he kept me soft and he kept me tender. And one an, another precious gift that he gave me was compassion. All of a sudden, I just had this compassion for my husband. And this addiction that he was stuck in, and I didn't see him as as um, dirty, and I didn't see him as a liar and a cheater. I saw him as this man that was broken, and it was just so precious that I could see him that way. And again, it, it wasn't of me at all. It was just a gift that the Lord gave me. But that's what began to turn things around for him, is that I believed in him. I loved him unconditionally. And... Even if our marriage didn't survive as my brother in Christ, I wanted him healed. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him stuck in this bondage forever. And so God used this verse to give me my vision and my purpose. And it was, and it also gave me something to hold on to because those years were not easy. We separated. Corey said it was very expensive, all of the counseling and all of the hurt. And, but every time I wanted to give up, God would remind me the Holy Spirit would stir this word in me of gentle and quiet. God is going to use you to woo Corey back to him. And so it was so nice because if I wanted to quit or if I just felt like I couldn't put another foot in front of the, the next, this word would come to me and remind me that that I had a purpose in 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 Corey's life.
2: And While I while that's going on. So this is a two year period of of. Going to counseling, processing, trying to renew, trying to renew, trying to get away from it, and I could not do that on my own. The you could there's just no way to do it without the Holy Spirit. And but I will say tactically that Kayla having that spirit of softness and gentleness made me focus on the things that I needed to focus on, allowed me the space to focus on the things, specifically to, to focus in on the Lord, to focus in on what things should I be doing better? Because I did not have the skills or the abilities to be a husband or a father. And so there was part, you know, the daily thought process of how do I love my wife better How do I serve her? Let me practice those ways. And then gave me space and the grace to go, who am I? Who is Corey? I've always been this guy that that goes through life and then has two lives. So it was very dark. It was two lives. And so when you leave two lives of one dark side that nobody knows and this sweet side that everybody loves, you're exhausted. Mm. And you only have so much bandwidth every day, and so as as the dark life began to fade away, uh, it was a hard fight, and so I was even and i want I would love for wives to hear when your husband is fighting, they have no they have no guide, they have no map in front of them, they have no ability to revert immediately. Her counselor said, however many years that you've been in it. Will be that many years that you will, it will take. And I, I, I partially ha- have lived that out, but I tried to do it all on my own. And I started learning a lot of good skills, but that <clears throat> the issue and the temptation of, is conjoined with who am I as a man and, and as a man of God? And am I redeemed? Have I been redeemed? And am I willing to stop thrashing in the water? And just go ahead and drown and go ahead and quit, just quit and sink into the Lord's hands and let him raise me up. And until that point, it's been, gosh, 10, 12 years. and, And I worked myself to the bone to get away from this addiction. And it wasn't but, you know, three, four years ago when I truly got to a point where I was redeemed. And I quit trying to do it on my own. And I can't tell men and women enough. Create an environment that's loving. um, Work towards the goal. Know who you are in Christ. And then allow him to redeem you and lift you up out of this mess and just be obedient in the small things. And he takes that away. The desires for the pornography and the joy that the Lord brings will replace that. And it's sometimes you can get kinda hokey pokey with this, a little a little fluffy with the words, but it's the hard truth. God will replace the things that the void in your life that you're trying to fill with pornography or alcohol or whatever. And if if you're having to fill that with your own activities, then you need to just stop and, and let the Lord fill that void. Whatever the issue is the Lord can fill that void that you will never be able to fill. So
0: a few things that I heard you say that I think can be really um, tangible things that someone who is dealing with an addiction could walk away with is number one, to set up a healthy, loving environment so that the the people and the space around you are supporting you. Um, Obey in the little things. And for me, I feel like To me, that speaks volumes because often addiction or not, whatever the Lord is bringing us through sometimes seems so big that we can't even begin to know how to walk through it or over it or get it out of the way. And so obeying in the little things feels like, okay, I can take that step. I can take that little bite and not have to eat the whole elephant at once. Right. So obey in the little things and then, of course, know who you are in Christ, because we'll often have to remind ourselves of that when we misstep or when we fall backwards or something that we have to remember who we are in Christ because we can't do it on our own without him.
1: Yeah, very true. Corey, one of the, one of the things that I've really enjoyed in, in our relationship is um, just the skill sets and, and, uh, and um, those, those similar questions. We've had many uh, conversations by the campfire what does a godly man look like? What does a godly man pursue? And um, those kind of questions we just don't talk about enough um, in our society. And so I just want to thank you for your, 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 your passion and, and um, the, the struggle that you went through and the fruits that will come from it. But just what are some of the points that you could share with some of the, the, the men and the listeners of being a godly man that you've, you've come through the valley and on the mountain on the other side and that your lessons learned and that you would just want to share?
2: You know, there's so much, but I can say that it's not about your wife. As a man, as a godly man, it really is not about your wife. It's about understanding how God made you as a man and what his purpose is for you. Because at the end of the day, man or woman, our job is to glorify him. The end mm, goal is if, if you press, if you press, <laughs> Every book in the Christian world, and you pressed it down to one thing, it comes down to our job is to glorify him and to give him glory, whether it's singing or our actions and our intentions. And if I'm focused on that, that's the core, right? That That's it. That's all I need to be doing. And so, Lord, how do I please you today? And when you say, hey, will you stop and give Chick-fil-A to this homeless person? Absolutely. Whether he, if it comes in my mind, I'm just going to be obedient, whether he told me or not, So, because sometimes I feel like I have to guess, because I don't have the Holy Spirit connection that many talk about. And so I just want to kind of crush that, um, well, I don't really hear from the Holy Spirit excuse, and just go, If you, if it comes in your mind and it's honoring the Lord, go do it. Mm. that's good the other pieces are the attributes of loving your wife in a godly way will come as you're obedient to the lord and he will tell you and he will show you you know god's word is his instructions that are already written but he he has told it so i look towards david and moses and i i needed a map i needed something to look towards and looks forward to versus what do i need to carve out of my life and that because that's a hard thing to do always looking at what do i not supposed to do versus looking towards god what should i do today and let me look at some godly men some some awesome brutish men that were also uh, a resemblance of of God's heart and David it comes up. I read, I would just constantly read about David and he was strong physically. He was he danced and sang. And and I started comparing that to do I do that? Am I strong? Am I comfortable singing out loud? Am I comfortable uh speaking into someone's life? Am I comfortable acting this way? Am I am I strong physically? Am I strong mentally? And where I where I'm weak, I just ask for provision, and then I'm diligent. There's a lot of um, things that we should do. I think then we need to go forward and be diligent on the how to and move move on it. Do something about it. And then I think lastly, or one of the last things for men is you really need to. There's two things. One, who are you? Um, and then you need to write your priority list in your life whatever that is god that's wife, true kids and put it in order and test that order with your money test it with your time test it with your emotional bandwidth and test it with every aspect of who you are as a person and 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 is that priority list solid and then follow that that priority list and so if if a wife is more important than than uh, my children, then I should be giving more time to my wife, and measuring it in time is can be important. But I think the core of it is knowing who you are in the Lord. And if you don't mind, I did write, during my counseling, I did write kind of a personal mission statement. You you mind if I share it?
0: I would love that.
1: Great.
2: And this was written probably about 10 years ago, and I just pulled it out thinking through all the things that I would want to say and and it says, I shall love, the, and this, by the way, this this took like multi-months to nail down. I shall love the Lord with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my might. I will grow myself, my family, and other men in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. I will honor and lead Kayla the kids, and teach the law of the Lord that is perfect in restoring the soul. I will urge, drive, disciple, men to grow and lead godly lives and families. And I will encourage and lead our family in showing Christ's love to everyone God places in our path. And I think that has been my goal that I've put in my heart. Ever since then, and if you don't ha- I would challenge any woman or man to sit down and and start writing out what is my statement what is who is who am i and and what is my mission statement on this world, and what is the Lord and the Holy Spirit trying to tell me who what my mission should be and write it down and refine it over time and test it and then and then follow it and be that person it's okay to be who you who God made you to be. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be what anybody else wants you to be. You yeah, be who what, you are. What Hollywood
1: tells you you need to, need to yeah. do, be and what the priorities are. Excellent. Yeah.
0: Kayla, you talked about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You talked about how the Lord revealed that verse to you from 1 Peter and how it, didn't, it wasn't naturally your, <laughs> your way. Um, so just talk a little bit more about how it's so easy to look back and make it feel kind of succinct and know how you got to where you are. But you said it took a couple of years. So give us a little bit more there to to give hope. and mm-hmm. And this is either way to to the person who is married to someone who is uh, recovering from an addiction, where you have good days and you have bad days. You have days where the mercy and the grace comes easier than others. You have, days where the hope is stronger than others. you. Oh, you talked about how it was a gift. It was literally a gift that the Lord handed you that gave you that perspective of who you were going to be through this. Would you say that you received that gift because of your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, because of your relationship with Christ? Because sometimes we don't pick up the gift that he's trying to give us either.
3: So as we started unpacking, it was like an onion and you just mm. slowly would peel mm. away the layers. And our goal was to get to the root of what was going on, why this addiction was there.
2: It got stinkier as you went.
3: It did get stinkier <laughs> yeah. as it went. <laughs> made you cry. <laughs>
2: just like an onion.
3: Yeah. Yes. But there were days that I would be so angry. I would just want to spit nails. And there were days that I felt so hopeless and every time God was just so gracious to give me the encouragement that I needed. And he provided everything that I needed each day, whether that be spiritually and emotionally and physically. And he would just give me a little glimpse of hope. Like I would just see a change in Corey's heart. Cause that was always my biggest mm. prayer is that God would take his heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Mm. And it, he was just so gracious because he would just show me a little nugget of change that he was bringing about in Corey, and so those days that I did feel hopeless, God always provided a, a, just a little tangible piece of seeing change that he was bringing about in Corey.
2: And I, I would say also, when you know when we were separated, I slept in a a vacant house, um, no electricity, no water, and I was like there are many nights on the floor. I just wanted to give up. And i just call out to the Lord. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't answer every night. But I knew that I was being obedient. And I just kept saying, is, is this Bible true? Yes. It's always been proven right. The Bible has never been proven wrong. So is this the most solid document ever? Yes. So what else am I going to rely on? Obviously, it's going to be, I'm going to rely on God's word. And so I'm going to read God's word. And if that's true, I'm going to follow this guide. And I don't care. I'm not giving up. I'm just not giving up. And I don't care if I feel feel it or not. I'm going to be obedient. And I think mm-hmm. that's where some soft Americans are in many ways. They are not hardened whatsoever. And so they go a week and nothing's changed. And the wife has given up. Or the husband's like, forget this. I tried it for a week. This is no good. And they just give up. And so my challenge to the men are quit being so daggum soft and harden up a little bit and be obedient regardless of how you feel. And wives, you're going to have to, you're going to have to Proverbs 31 woman up a little bit and you're yeah. going to have to harden up and you're going to have to be okay with not, you can't unleash your fury every day. If some light bulb just doesn't come off and you have to submit to the Lord, all that anger, at, at any moment. So that it creates that environment. And for me. I also. I don't. And at some points. The Lord would answer. And I would say. Lord I just can't take another verbal beating. I just can't. Even, even if it was so slight. I was just so sensitive to it. Because it was, it was rough. But. He was faithful. When he knew I could not take enough. And I was. I was at the end. He I would come by the house and do what I needed to do. And and Kayla was kind just enough to give me hope. And it's that's why it's called daily bread. There's Thank no God. our God's desire is for us to need him to glorify him. And if he gives us a month's worth of sufficiency, we're gonna ignore him for a month right. until we need it again. Amen. And so Is he a jealous God? Absolutely. And so does he want us to be attentive to him? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So why would he give us a month's worth of sufficiency when that ignores him? And so that daily obedience and the daily peace where he would just give me enough hope.
0: I I love that. Both of you, both of you said that, that in the in the moments of wanting to give up in the moments of being completely overwhelmed god lets you see something in the other one that gave you hope for the next day you had to take hold of that and grasp that okay i see that little change or i felt that little bit of peace or love or whatever that's awesome did yeah. you have something
1: yeah i had a question uh, so kayla what i'm interested in the um just as you were as you were walking through this uh, you know at day 1 um, and through that, what what priorities changed? What daily activities shifted? Like I feel like there's some some choices that um, you, you had to submit to the Lord with, and um, in, in maybe the way you you sought Him or um, the hours or the time that you you went after Him. What was what was the Lord working with with you on as far as um, tangible daily activities?
3: I had always been a daddy's girl growing up, and I had put my earthly father in the place of my heavenly father. And then my dad, like I mentioned, had the affair and left and it crushed me. And so then as soon as I got married, I slid Corey right back into that place of worshiping him and not in a worshipful, but but you know what I'm saying? He was just Mm -hmm. much of a priority instead of my my heavenly father. And so when Corey failed me, I was devastated. Mm. And so I had to work through putting God in the rightful place in my life and not letting my husband become my God. And so it was, it was a neat process of coming to that realization, but then also just surrendering my time. So I began to read my Bible and pray in a fresh new way. And I just tried to remove any obstacle that was eating my time that didn't need to be in my day. If it was reading a magazine or watching a movie or, you know, whatever. I did not ever allow myself to just go numb. I was very purposeful and intentional with my time and seeking the Lord and began to just devour the Bible and memorizing it and praying and just trying to be sensitive. i had never really heard from the Lord. And so I desired that so strongly was to just hear his voice. And so I did just spend a lot of time just seeking him what he, what my purpose was in my marriage, um, with my children, in my community, in my ministry. And so it just, for the first time in my life, I just had this really tender relationship with the with the Father. And it, it was just really neat. And so it did make me more attentive to be able to hear whenever he had a clear purpose or a clear word that I needed yeah. to give to Corey. Or in those moments of when I wanted to rip his head off, just biting my tongue and being kind. When those things weren't coming naturally, it was because I was hearing that word from the Lord.
1: I think
2: there's a certain place for books that give tactical skills, um, but in the, in that port, at that point in time, all of that was man-made, and it, we needed to rely solely on God mm-hmm. his uh-huh. word and and we did not we were not taught how real and how there the Holy Spirit was. And that he was with us. And you know, we we learned that along the way. But we we fought hard and we became a lot harder. And I think we're deeper oh, we say, would we go through it again? I say I would go through it again because um it made us deeper and harder people harder as in we know that we've been through it, and deeper in that the depths of his love and his sufficiency we know so much better than someone who's never gone through a struggle or at least never addressed a struggle that they're uh, ignoring.
3: And I would say a turning point for us was when I forgave Corey. Because again, that wasn't in my natural tendency. I was so bitter and so angry. And I thought, I am going to remember every diaper I changed on my own, every holiday I spent on my own, you know, every lie he told me. I am going to remember this and rub it in his face until the day he dies. I mean, I was just knew that, that, because that's my flesh, I can just be that vengeful. And again, God just said, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But what does my word say? Forgive, unless you not be forgiven yourself. And so it was a really neat process to go through of even though he didn't necessarily ask for the forgiveness, but being able to give him the forgiveness mm. from all the pain that he caused me. And when that happened, it was a huge switch was yeah. flipped in him. And his, he began to become more soft and he began, began to be more intentional and involved in our marriage. And it was just like it gave him, it just released the bondage that the enemy had on him mm. whenever I forgave him. And I told him that I believed in him and
2: God was working on both of us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So
2: many things that we both needed to shed.
3: And that's where I talk about repentance being so important and forgiveness being so important because it's just a a stronghold that the enemy can have on you. And the moment that I forgave him, I just, I mean, it's like, I just took those, all of those memories and they were just Mm -hmm. washed away. And so, it's never even a temptation to rub that in his face. I would never want to dishonor him in that way or hurt him in that way. And again, that's just another gift that God has given me of, of washing all of those memories away. I mean, sure, I could recall all the details if I really wanted to.
2: Let's not do
3: that. No, I won't, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just really neat how God worked that in me because that's not me. It's, it's just the opposite of who I am naturally. Talk
2: about what Jeff said at the end when he gave you the instructions. That.
3: Oh, the, at, I mean, there, there came a point like a year into the counseling, maybe even a little bit further, the counselors like just Kayla, like, he's not getting it. It's not going to happen, I think. And not that the pornography was an issue at this point. It was the development. The pornography, praise the Lord, he was delivered almost immediately. But he was a child wearing man's clothes and I would get so frustrated and just feel like I was beating my head against the wall because his development had stopped, which is very common in addiction from the time that an addiction starts, your development stops. And so I just kept rehashing this with the counselor. And again, it wasn't toothpaste in the sink kind of stuff, but not remembering to pay bills, not being necessarily connected with the kids, not, not being intentional with me, you know, things like that more specifically. And the counselor's like, look, we have done everything I know to do. There's just, there's no other hope at this point. He either's just going to have to get it or he's not. And he said, at this point, I don't think he's going to get it. And I think it would be easier for you to just cut your losses. And I just looked at him. I was like, there is no way in heck. Remember, God gave me this very clear vision and this very clear <laughs> purpose. And there is no way I am turning my back on this no. man at this point. And I went home and I said, look, counselor doesn't think you can do it. Our parents don't think that we're going to make it. You know, the people that we have confided in don't think that we're going to make it. But I'm here to tell you, I believe in you. And I know that you can do this. And I know that we can do it together. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose for our marriage. He is going to restore our marriage. And Corey just broke down at that point. Yeah,
2: that was the first time that she had ever spoken into my life, hope and belief in who I was. And from from that point, I had an advocate. I had someone mm, that, both, good. That, both, that spoke over me hope that spoke over me. I believe in you and, and I'm, I am in this. And so she's my, she became my battle buddy and not my adversary. And the chart, the line chart that just started going, you know, nearly 45 degrees up in progression of, of my skills and our, our relationship and my relationship with the Lord. I just needed I needed a wife who who had made covenantal commitment to the marriage not just me but to the Lord in a marriage the marriage covenant to fulfill her side and she was doing that and and that made all the difference.
0: It's such a reminder the Bible tells us you know that our tongue can bring life or can bring death. And the example that you just gave literally went from your marriage dying to your words, breathing a new fresh life into your husband and into your marriage and, and giving it life to see tomorrow because you simply, and I say simply because sometimes, but sometimes it's real, real, real hard to make those words come out. Uh, But you know, that, that you, you took the time to say, I believe in you. I believe in us. I believe what we can do. And the same thing when you say please forgive me. I am sorry or I forgive you. Like there've been plenty of times where I've felt like I was supposed to go to Aaron and say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said or I'm sorry for the way I responded and I have to literally talk myself into it because I don't want to go say that, right? <laughs> but there can be an almost instant peace that comes over a relationship when you just like you said Corey when you harden yourself up enough to push through and do what needs to be done
2: yeah and it does it puts it takes the work
0: anything that we've that we've totally missed or just a, a final thought or a final scripture or anything that is on your hearts that you would want to kind of wrap things up with i have I
2: have a verse. And we only share this because it's a risk to to our extended family and our kids who will probably listen to this. And we want it to be glorifying the God to God. And this is the this is a higher priority than how somebody that hears this will will view us. I could care less if if this helps someone and, and it gives him glory. Then I've done my job. Okay. Kayla's done her job. And in in James, it's in James five nineteen. It says, "Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death, and cover a multitude of sins." And we we live by that. And we I think the final thoughts are, Kayla and I as we matured we have said we must build a foundation where the baggage that we had to unravel we will not we would create an environment that our kids did not have to suffer and so since that time where our kids were two three four we set priority and diligence to create an environment that they are Christ followers and do not have the baggage and a, a, a much higher foundation to stand upon than the foundation that we grew up in. Now, i totally honor our parents. They were amazing, but we want to set the highest bar as possible. And so we shoot for that every day.
0: That's so true, Corey. And, and you know, part of Part of shining God's light is us being vulnerable and sharing our stories and our struggles. And and so we thank you guys for doing that. But before we let you go, I have a little game I like to play sometimes called rapid fire questions. So it's supposed to go fast. You can't pause and think about it for a long time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ask a question. Uh, Let's start with Kayla. I will ask you the questions first, but you answer the way you think Corey would answer. Got it. Okay. All right, Kayla. Corey's favorite color, blue. Yep. Favorite restaurant, Malai Thai. Yep. Uh, where oh, was no, your?
2: Not, not really.
0: Oh, <laughs> restaurants fixed. are so hard.
2: Fix. Yeah, um, fix. I'll fix. Oh, fix? Word, yes.
0: We haven't tried that one yet. Okay. Uh, we can't do that one. Hang on. What that next one was? How many kids do you want? We already know that. You're good to go. Um, okay. Where would... more? <laughs> okay, where would Corey's dream vacation be? The
3: mountains. Yeah. Favorite sport? Oh, he's not a sport person. Team, Team roping. <laughs> <laughs> he just whispered. For those of you who
0: can't see, he whispered the answer. Okay, would he choose summer or winter? Summer.
2: He's questioning. Uh, I haven't thought about it, but quickly, yes.
0: Yeah. Beach or mountain? Mountains. We got that one. Yes, yes. What's yes. his primary love language? Next, yes. is it physical touch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. What's his? Nothing wrong with that. What's his no, favorite not movie? At all.
2: <laughs> What's it. his
0: favorite movie? Tombstone? Yeah, that's in the. That, yeah, yeah. Up there pretty high.
2: Yeah, It's a, cla- he... a classic. So classic category, yes. Tombstones, one of the classics, yes.
0: Okay. And would he choose to watch a movie or read a book? Read a book. Yep. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Now we're gonna flip flop. So now Corey, you answer the questions, okay? But you're answering for Kayla. Oh,
2: good. Ready? All What's right.
0: her favorite color?
2: Blue. Purple. Ah, I knew that. My <laughs>
0: kitchen's <laughs> <laughs> purple.
2: Oh, that's right. Purple. Hey, back up. What's her favorite color? Purple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's her favorite restaurant
2: oh man local food kitchen
0: yes okay yeah. where would her dream vacation be
2: in the mountains
0: definitely you guys can meet there what's her favorite sport
2: she doesn't have one
0: Mm-mm.
2: team roping
0: <laughs> not team roping <laughs> nothing doing horses. oh that's true summer or winter winter yes Beach or mountain? Mountain. Yes. What's her pri- primary love language? Time. Quality time. Quality a- time. Amen, sister. Favorite movie?
2: Yes, Baby mama. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and would she choose a movie or a book?
3: A book. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, last question you answer together, okay? Like, at the same time, let's just see how close you get.
3: Where was your first kiss?
2: Oh, snap.
3: <laughs> it would have been at my apartment that I was Apartment, living. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we don't remember it, but that's where it would have been.
2: Yeah, probably.
3: Yeah. wasn't in the back seat? No. I'm not that kind of girl, Candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well... Thank you for all of the all of
0: the goodness that you just shared with us. It's fun. It's fun to end laughing at laughing together and and telling stories. But we really do appreciate your vulnerability and uh, your willingness to to share with us, so that God can be glorified and so that other marriages can have hope and it's awesome to be a part of y'all's life and all that God is doing through you. And we love you very much. So thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, thank guys. you. Yes.
2: thank you.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to leave a review and share it with a friend to be part of strengthening marriages until next time. Be sure you're loving on relationships.